Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey and this is the award-winning High Performance Podcast. Look, we are not here to tell you how to think or act. We simply reveal the truth behind the lives of some of the most fascinating people on the planet so they can be your guide. Prepare to be inspired, but also challenged. Don't expect to agree with everything you hear, but do hold your beliefs lightly. Come to this conversation open to growth and change. And let's just explore together. Once more, it's time for myself and Professor Damien Hughes to unlock the minds of another guest. Today, this awaits you. Football or sports is also a game of luck, of course. Inside post, outside post, on the bar, a penalty given or yes or no, red card, uh, yes or no. These little things can be the fate of a manager, the fate of, of a player or the fate of a director if, if, the, if there's success or is there, uh, is there failure. And at the other end of the of the spectrum is Cristiano Ronaldo, who, like you, has gone on to have a career of true longevity. What are your memories of sharing a dressing room and a club with him? The dressing room that he shared with me, you mean? Of course, it's it's always been about him, and and, and this determination and and the way that he that he conducted himself. And I think a lot of people have, let's say, maybe got a, a different opinion about him. But I, I found him really in the dressing room uh, funny. The way that that he took another step for Man United. It's been, it's been amazing, yeah. It's shit, things are happening, you need to fire someone, things are not going well, there's a, there's a crisis, uh, there's something happening on European level, it's something with uh, with, uh, with a new media deal. At a certain point, it's it's a not a drag, it's fucking hard. Oh, what a pleasure it was to, um, to speak to this person. Just before we uh, talk a bit further, uh, a quick reminder, I would love you to hit subscribe. Uh, hitting subscribe allows us to grow the podcast, which allows us to impact as many people as possible. But let's talk about today's guest then. Um, you heard there from Edwin van der Sar. Look, we had many football managers on the podcast. Um, the Newcastle boss, Eddie Howe, the England boss, Gareth Southgate. We've had players like Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, Eric Dyer. We've had former players like Rio Ferdinand or Robin van Persie. We've had the Brighton chief exec, uh, Paul Barber. We've had the Brentford sporting director, Phil Giles. But today we speak to a man who went from the dressing room to the boardroom, a man who went from being a player to a CEO. Today we welcome Edwin van der Sar, who won four Eredivisie titles. He won four Premier League crowns. He won the Champions League, among many other things in his career. But what fascinated us is why he decided at the end of his playing days to go into the administration side of the game and what he's learned since then. And I'm just going to set the scene for you. So we recorded this in a hotel room overlooking the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam, the home of Ajax Football Club. Edwin, at the time, was the chief exec of the football club. He walked into the room and I promise you, he looked exhausted. I said to him, how are things? And the reply was a one word, swear word. So immediately it was clear to us that pressure was taking its toll on this guy. And we then spoke at length for well over an hour about the truth of what life's like at the top of a football club. We talk about the scrutiny. We talk about the criticism. We talk about the questions. We talk about the pain. We talk about the impact on his family. Of course, we also talk about his playing days. You know, what he learned at Manchester United, what it was like in that great Ajax team. Some of the challenges he faced as a Holland international, the great players he's played with. But at the end of the conversation, one of the final answers he gave us was probably a really clear indication of what was to come. Because a couple of days after we pressed stop on the recording and headed home, 
it was announced that Edwin had decided to quit as the CEO of IX. So this now lives as the final interview that he gave as the CEO. And I think, and I think that we will now listen to it with fresh eyes, with an even deeper understanding of the challenges that he was under. Um, I just want at this point to say huge thanks to him and to Ajax because it was obviously a challenging time uh, for the football club and for Edwin himself. So for him to still come out and speak to us and give us so much of his time, we are very, very grateful for that. So here we go then. Um, the final interview with Edwin van der Sar as the CEO of Ajax Football Club here on the High Performance Podcast. 
At the moment, uh, it's hard. Uh, the criticism, uh, decisions you've made, maybe not the right ones are not paying off yet. Questions are being asked. Uh, stuff is looking away if you come in or TV shows or podcasts are, are dedicated to the problems or the, the sport of crisis. Uh, and of course, uh, friends of yourself, uh, your, your parents, are you still okay with it? Uh, what's happening? Uh, so yeah, you, you're, you're dealing with it. And that's that's something what you learned as a player. Uh, you're, you're very much on that pitch. You're very visible. 11 guys playing against uh, ele- another 11 guys. You, you save a, a free kick or a penalty or, or, you, or you drop one. And, 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 and you, because of that, you lose. So it's been a learning curve. And, and especially when you had so much success. And then in a the year that, that, that that's not happening. Okay, what, what, did, what went wrong in the summer? Uh, what, con- what are the consequences? What, sh- what should you take out of it? And that's, that's, yeah, that's something that's not written in books. That's not, uh, not even uh, talked about in podcasts or, uh, <laughs> or, or, or management lessons. That's something you need to experience. And that's, uh, and that's life also. So can we talk then about the, the things that went on and the things you learned from it? Because there are lots of media outlets and probably lots of podcasts as well that just talk about the failure, right? Yeah. We have a very different mindset to that. What we believe is that failure is the price of ambition, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to try and do great things, there are going to be seasons like this. So let's rewind the clock. You, you talk about mistakes last summer, for example, or obviously the departure of, of Eric and then the new manager who came in. Would you go through some of those moments and share with us what you've learned? I think what Ajax is, Ajax is, I think, a very famous club, uh, great tradition, DNA, uh, iconic jersey, uh, fantastic names that, that have played there over the years. A stepping stone for, for a lot of players. Uh, the, the league where we are playing in Holland, not the biggest league in the world. Uh, of course, uh, the top five leagues is where eventually everybody wants to end up. Every year you need to refresh your team. Uh, coaches uh, are stepping, uh, stepping up. Uh, players want the, want the next step. And I think last year <coughs> we had about 13 players leaving and seven of them were like more or less starting 11, including the coach. Five months before that, the technical director, even for a club like Ajax that is used to making sure that, that there's sort of like a conveyor belt of new talent coming through, the scouting is func- functioning. That was just too much to get a hold of in the summer and to uh, anticipate and, and, and make sure that the success that we had over the last four or five years, that that was going in the same direction. So you talk about the DNA of a successful team like Ajax Amsterdam. Yeah. What is that? How would you define it? And then how, more importantly, how do you maintain it? To maintain it is, uh, it's, it's, it's something where the, the managers of the coaches, uh, the work in the academy, uh, the, the, the scouts who are finding the players uh, are after and, and need to deal with. And I think we had over, let's say, from the 70s with the, with the generation of Johan Cruijff, Piet Keizer, uh, winning three Champions Leagues in the 80s with, with Van Basten, with Rijkaard. Uh, in the 90s, the team with 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 Seedorf, with Davids, with with the Boers. And yourself. Uh, you, uh, I was part of that also. The Versi Snyders, Nigel de Jongs. So every every era, there's there are players coming through, and that's that's something that that stands us out. I think from whatever from a lot of clubs, uh, we like to uh, like to be that club that there's, there's an, an, an DNA, and also that the players who are given the chance here also hopefully come back at a certain point and 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 give something back to the club. Uh, not o- not only regarding transfer fee, uh, going to uh, one club to another one. Because if we want to perform in on the European stage, money is a big difference. And of course, not only spending a lot of money, 
that's that's not always uh, the uh, the solution. And look at look at whatever some clubs in England uh, this year. You had already a nice level. You spent whatever five six hundred million. Doesn't mean that you become champion or even qualify for Champions League. So, what you do with it, that's also uh, very important. And quick decisions or or managerial decisions, yeah, that those are testing times for yourself as a as a CEO or as a director to make the right call and making sure that um, that the whole club believes in that. Yeah, that line that uh, that has been set up to uh, to get to the success or to, uh, to 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 revive the success formula that you had before. So let's talk then about some of these sort of specific moments and how you can retain the culture mm-hmm. whilst allowing Ajax to do what it does, which is build amazing talents. I understand as a player, it's great. You know, you you do well here. You know, you're going to get an opportunity, <laughs> yeah. right? But for you now, in a senior leadership role, it's very hard when you lose your manager. So. Would you talk us through the process of what happened with Eric Ten Hag and and how you deal with that? Do you just sort of accept when Man United come calling, you have to allow people to go? Do you try and fight to keep mm. Eric when he when he showed an interest in Manchester United? How does it work from your perspective? I think it works similar to all, uh, even with players. Of course, you uh, every player wants to have a plan. Uh, you talk about ambition. Of course, you will need to win the league here, play play Champions League football, give yourself a podium, or you give you a podium. But yeah, you have to you have to use it. You have to uh, put all your all your talents and qualities on on that stage. After two, three, hopefully four years, you take that next step. And the same with the manager. I think with Eric, uh, when Eric came, uh, Mark Overmars knew him already from Bas Club Goat Eagles. Uh, he been at second team at Bayern Munich. He did really well with Utrecht. Uh, so yeah, he came here uh, as an Maybe not as an Ajax DNA uh, type of type of manager, but he uh, in the first year already, uh, yeah, his, with his talents and his, his work rate and his and his desire to to every time to put uh, put the bar higher, uh, establish himself as, as as a great manager and of course with the players that were around him, and, and you talk with the, you talk with the manager, you see what what his yeah his plans are or uh, he looks at the players, what 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 can I get out of the players, what what is the ambition of the club. Uh, so in that way, you make also yeah an, 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 a plan for for the manager, and of course when you perform and when you do something really well, of course you attract interest, and that's we know that, and we are proud of it that people are taking a next step to a bigger club, bigger league, and hopefully um, we can use that also in our advantage to attract other talents that say hey through Ajax you can get there and there and there instead of straight away at 18 or, or straight away at your first job as a manager in the Premier League. You're somebody that's had the unique perspective of being in the dressing room with great coaches whether it was from Van Hal early on in your career to Sir Alex Ferguson at the end of your career so you've got the perspective of being able to see what makes a great coach what works and now you're in the position of being part of the deciding committee yeah. who's going to recruit a coach. So what are the characteristics that you've seen from those different roles that you've held that you think do, does distinguish whether a coach is going to be successful or not? <laughs> Difficult question because you don't know who's going to be successful. It's 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 a process. You, have, you need so many things to to click to to make sure that that the project that you start the players that you that you sign the the players that come through from the from the academy uh, that they're going to gel that 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 the way the the manager wants to uh, the wants the team to play that it's, that it's, that that there's belief and of course and 
Voetbal of sport is also a game of luck, of course. Uh, inside post, outside post, on the bar. A penalty given or yes or no. Red card, uh, uh, yes or no. These little things can be the fate of a manager, the fate of, of a player, or the fate of a director if, if, the, if there's success or is there, uh, is there failure. And of course, you, if you limited those chances, if you, if you really work hard, if you can make sure that believe in the group, how much talent does talent get a chance? Does 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 younger players who are performing on the on the on the training better than older players? Are they getting a chance, or will a manager stick with experience with with players who did it in the past? Uh, and that's what I what you seen also at Ferguson, for example. But working at bigger clubs, it could be the end station. Eh? Not a lot of players at at United went to let's say bigger clubs. Maybe only Ronaldo uh, in 2009, uh, going from Man United to, to Real Madrid. Asked also a question to, to Giggs or Scolsi or, or, or Gary. I said, uh, yeah, you'd never, never fancy going abroad. It's like, whatever, there must be big clubs also, Inter Milan or Barcelona or, or Madrid or uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah, Edwin, it's like, yeah, we we born here. Like, it's, it's, it's my, my family lives here. I play for the biggest club in the world. Uh, the money is good, so... Why would I go abroad and learn a different language or a different playing style? Because I'm playing for the biggest club in the world. That's great, of course. Then when you have that, those five, six guys who play the whole life for a club, that's your childhood boy, boy club. And at Ajax is different because, of course, players, even Matthijs Licht came here at eight, nine years old. He went to the whole academy at 16 and a half, made his debut. 17, he captained the club in the Europa League final. But still, for him, there are other ambitions can the two of us just pick away then, actually, at, at this conversation about what it does for you personally? Because you spent your entire footballing career being in control, mm-hmm. in control of your training, in control of your reaction on the pitch, in, mm, to, to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you talk about luck and chance and a refereeing decision and not knowing really, how can you know if a manager or a signing is ever going to be successful? So how do, how do you deal with the uncertainty that comes with being the chief exec of one of the most talked about clubs in the world. Yeah, in, in general, of course, it's it's part. And uh, somebody says, yeah, the harder you work, the more luck you're getting. Uh, and of course, uh, making making long hours. At life as a player, it's easy. Of course, you need to perform on Saturday at two o'clock. Uh, but in general, yeah, you train in the morning. Everybody is there to help you to make sure that you that you have the right nutrition, uh, that you that you train a certain level, uh, that you get a massage. But work as a director or a manager, it's 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 so much more demanding. Uh, it's it's 60, 70 hours. It's it's all the time being on instead of being able to take a rest or or focus or or think. So you have to really yeah create time also for yourself to know what is going on, to know if the decisions or the decision you want to make that is going to benefit the team or or the pro uh, the, the process that that you that you stepped into. So let's talk um, in more detail about this. First of all, you talk about you need time for yourself to see the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, you are the most senior leader at this football club. We have lots of business people that listen to this podcast who maybe struggle with that element. How how do you find the space, the headspace to to be able to make decisions and and have a bit of separation? Yeah, you feel yourself now also that um, if you're running too fast, you're losing time to reflect to to make the not I'm not the right decisions but decisions quick enough but the moment that things are going well it's it's much easier to 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 breathe to find the time and the moment things are going 
in, in, in a way that you don't expect or you have to uh, recover certain things. When I started in 2012, I was a marketing director. The idea was always for Johan Cruijff to bring ex-players into the board of directors. He always said like, yeah, you guys, you didn't do university uh, like well, the normal people or the clever people do, but you, you guys did the university of life, uh, being exposed in the football stadium, uh, being a young player, making sure that you that you, you got a chance in the first team, dealing with, with losing finals, with making mistakes, or uh, 80,000 people that cheering you on or newspaper headlines that that are praising you or killing you even from outside pressure you can shut it off and that's one of my qualities i think making sure that 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 i the thing where i work on or where we work on as a club that you, that you don't let yourself influenced by their people who are shouting making headlines or or talking rubbish because they don't know what is the real deal what's going on into an organization i mean that's typically far-sighted of cruyff from what you read about him. And it's a conversation that many people have about going from the dressing room to the boardroom. Yeah. What would you say are the characteristics that are consistent that you learn in that university of life, as Cruyff described it, that you're still using today? The way that um, when a manager comes in, or to even during, during the game in the first half, whatever, quick with quick words or quick shouts, you can you can adjust something. As a CEO, it's 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 that takes much longer to have an effect on uh, on uh, the, how the organization is running. What what I learned also from uh, let's say from Alex Ferguson, he said, "Yeah, I, I've been always very um, loyal to the people that 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 been that brought me success." But at a certain point, I have to make sure that the success continuously. And it's not always the case with yeah. If you hold on to older players, that gave you success. Uh, but you have to make sure that there will continue to be successful players who you know we need to develop or maybe coming to the end of the road on a respectful way. But sometimes not even it's sometimes it's not easy to be respectful in this world because uh, it's it's a hard world. And I experienced that as a player. Uh, you experienced it as a as a as a as an executive. And um, yeah, in that way, it's it's very comparable. So Ferguson famously used to, oh, he described it in his own terms that he would think in four-year cycles mm-hmm. for his team. And the stability of his role allowed him to have that maybe longer perspective. How far ahead do you think as a chief exec? Of course, you make uh, you make plans for whatever uh, four or five years, uh, long term long term plans, uh, short term. Like an, a coach need to win uh, the, the 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 next game uh, or win the league. But of course, as uh, as as directors, you look you look to look look a little bit further than 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 only that. But all falls with winning on. On Sunday, winning, winning the league, winning, winning games, giving supporters a feeling of of pride, and of course you can say, yeah, we have plans for two, three, four years. But for supporter, it's it's the game on Sunday. It's 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 winning a cup, winning a trophy. Everything needs to be focused on on winning on Sunday. Or yeah, that's of course you have a manager to do that, and the coaches need to do that, and the players need to do that. And sometimes you could you maybe forget a little bit uh, when you have success that that success is all created on the pitch. It's all about those 11 guys or 16 or 20 guys delivering their performance on a, on a match day. And this was one of the rare seasons where you weren't winning enough matches and you had to, yeah. <laughs> you had to part That's company obviously. with the manager. Would you mind sharing with us how you get to a point where you make a decision that you need to change the manager and, and just how, 
how you deal with that really you know we often you've already said it people in football often say oh we get such criticism because people don't know the full picture and I think sometimes it's so helpful to really lay bare mm-hmm. not everything because some things have to remain private quite rightly but enough so people can understand that you know sitting down and telling Schroeder you're fired is hard for you as, mm-hmm. as well as for him isn't it mm-hmm. I imagine yeah, of course, and in, in, in certain ways, aren't it? It, it feels also not fair. Eh? What is about what I explained in just uh, uh, earlier on about uh, I think the twelve players that left, uh, coach that left, and even when uh, when Alfred uh, came, we still had a let's say uh, Martinez was still there, Anthony was still there. So United came at a yeah a little bit late stage for for both players. Maybe not expecting. Uh, maybe we should have prepared a little bit better. But even for Anthony, it was just a second year. Did not even not play all the matches. So in that way, you're starting with a with a with a team that has been refurbished, uh, redesigned, uh, new technical staff. But what are the warning signs that you can see something starting to go wrong? Mm. Uh, data is one one part of of the game nowadays. Expected goals or uh, that kind of stuff. But in general, one, yeah, the the eye uh, is is sometimes not wrong from the truth, and in that way, it's uh, you you sometimes see or hope to expect more from uh, from a player or from a game or from a technical decision or from the signing that you that uh, that that the club made, and in that way, um, yeah, the the results at a certain point started to deteriorate, and uh, then will yeah the pressure will mount on a coach. And also on the on 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 the say on the board or on the players to whatever to make a decision uh, on a uh, position that that we just filled in and hoped uh, to have like a long-standing relationship. That's where you build for, and um, yeah, that feels also awful. You have to release people from from functions that that they put a lot of heart and 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 hard work and effort and and determination in to uh, to have a conversation that uh, that is over. How hard is it personally on a on a season like this? Yeah, tough. Absolutely. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really tough. Uh, but hey, that's 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 the name of the game. It's uh, it's it's performances that uh, that 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 yeah that that makes or break people. Uh, that's that's for a player. That's for a coach. That's for an, uh, for a CEO. And that's uh, that's the way where we're living. And, uh, and and I'm not used to anything else. To be fair, what's the toughest thing? The toughest thing is um, the doubts that people have in your ability. Uh, okay, yeah, as former goalkeeper or former player. But yeah, I've I've retired 12 years ago. I'm doing this 11 years already. So I'm not I'm not I'm not a novice. Uh, I think the organization is is strong. Uh, has been stronger in the past, but uh, yeah, the same. Like you need to develop all the time, and of course, also for your own qualities, you have to every time think: Are your own qualities still uh, enough for the organization where you work in? Uh, do you did you how much effort did you put into it? How much uh, effort do you will still w- willing to put into it? Um, and if if the connection is still there with your with your staff, with the, with the, with the people in the office, with the players, and that's that's I think a constant situation that that you want to feel for yourself also. And uh, of course, uh, I think the the way media or people are thinking or social media is is reacting on defeats or bad signings or good stuff or shirt introductions or. Uh, commercial parties where you make an agreement with uh, everybody likes to think of everything something 
Um, and sometimes people are talking loud on TV or putting anonymous stuff on the internet. And that's most of the time for your, let's say, surroundings. It's 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 not nice, but for yourself, you know what it is. You know the football world, and you know you know you need to perform, and, and you're as good as your last match that you played, uh, and you're as good as your last signing or the the decision that you made as a director. I think people often forget that you've got kids that can read that stuff. You've got parents, and like, no matter how old you become, you're always your mum and dad's little boy, or your partner, you know, who's really defensive and protective of you. I think people often forget the the cost on those people in your life, don't they? Yeah, okay, but we know that. You sit behind a computer or uh, or, or, or a smartphone and you uh, put something in and it's, it's gone for you. Uh, but it's out in the world. But it's, 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 I think it's more about like uh, what happens 20 years when, you, when you're talking in the pub with your mates and you had discussions. Uh, and that, that came, that, that's coming now on the internet or on the social media. Uh, or in, or in, uh, on shows like whatever, not like this. I think the, your quality of, uh, of podcasts is higher than, than other ones. But uh, yeah, you, you can track attention for your opinions, crazy opinions or, or very direct ones yeah, that attract audience, that attract viewers, that attract commercial parties that, that connect with a program. And that's, uh, that's what the world make, uh, ticks also at the moment. You're talking about having like the ability to adapt your communication style to the different audiences. And I was intrigued reading a story um, from your early days as a player when Van Hal was a coach. Mm -hmm. And I read that he used a um, company to come in and do psychometric testing with the players so he could understand how players best received information and how he could be more flexible and mm -hmm. adapt the way that he delivered his message so it was understood. <laughs> You're smiling in terms of, do you remember that period? And and what have you taken from it that you could still use and uh, apply in your role today? Yeah, I think you learn from everyone. I think with, with Van Gaal and uh, I, yeah, I, he gave me the opportunity, uh, he, uh, he uh, discovered me, he found me at uh, my local club. So he, uh, he scouted my, uh, myself, so he, si he signed me for uh, for Ajax, gave me, gave me the chance in the first team uh, by replacing Stanley Menzo. Um, but he was, let's say, one of a kind, like the way the eye for detail, the, the, the communication he had with, with players, the, um, the, the, the way on the technical side and technical side, he wanted to improve the players. Um, that's yeah, almost second to none, to be fair, what he did with our crop of players that, uh, that, uh, that was in the, in the mid nineties. And also the, the next step that he had at Barcelona and, and Bayern Munich and, 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 and let's say May United also. So that's almost surprised me. Of course, he had success on the, on the, in, the, in the leagues, eh, the, the titles that he won uh, by, the, by the previous club. But I would have expected with his qualities and everything and to, to also have, yeah, to, to do that all once again also in the, in, like say in the Champions League. And in that way, what what you learned, uh, he always tried to find, yeah, what's behind the player, because it's not only the player that makes a difference, also the human being, what's behind the player, what's what's the situation at home, does he uh, what uh, is he happy with his wife, uh, survive pregnant, uh, did he move, is he, is he living too far away from Amsterdam? So it was all the things that could matter to that 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 the performance of the player would would harm. Uh, he would check that out and, and making sure that he could help as good as possible on that part. That's a really good, strong culture. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a, maybe a challenging culture when you were with the Dutch squad in 1996 and there was question marks about cliques and groups yeah. and separation. I'd love to know 
what you learned in that period? Because I, you know, as we've spoken about a lot in the last little while, the tough times are often the educational times. Yeah, I think we're we're coming uh, to that tournament as uh, winning the Champions League '95, losing the final with I think a lot of Ajax players, some players already playing for big t- big clubs. Uh, so I think we could be, could have been one of the favorite. I think so. The team was developing. I think the success uh, of the, the the lack of lack of success or or tensions didn't really feel it. And of course, it's uh, I've been someone that's never been attached to to one group. I always liked it to be floating around because I was I was always the guy with the different jersey, or I was always the guy with two other guys who were doing different different drills than the 18 uh, outfit players who do uh, whatever uh, passing drills or uh, five against fours or that kind of stuff. So I always for myself, I never felt really only connected to one side or so I tried to even move between tables. I never re- really felt that more afterwards things were explained or, or uh, but I think the media made a lot of things of it, but it was more like own, our own fault. The players, uh, they mentioned things. But in that way, you were a player. You're not that far ahead yet. You're just thinking about your own performance, and of course, winning, winning a championship uh, like the like the Euro '96 is it would have been massive. But afterwards, yeah, there was a holiday. You go on holiday, and after two and a half weeks, you need to report to your club, and, and you go on. Yeah. And that that's something that's 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 been always my case. I close it, and and let's 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 make the success of the next step. I'm interested in in that role that you said of floating between groups because. I've worked in dressing rooms myself where you can see these cliques or divisions starting to emerge. And when you speak to players, they go... But it's not strange because uh, certain people like a, a type of music. They like uh, like to the dress in a certain, certain way. Uh, so it's not strange that people are gelling together better. The, the love of cars or younger guys who like to go out a little bit more. You have some experienced guys who just whatever, if you're married or... So it's not strange that that there are groups or sure. uh, tables together. You talk easier. You have the same sense of humor. Uh, you have the same background, and of course, it's 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 in a bit of national team. It's different, of course. And then you all come together and you exp- share experiences. In but in the dressing room, we have four Brazilians, two uh, two two Mexicans, uh, three Italians. Uh, yeah, it's it's logic and and a couple of homegrown players and a couple of signings that that are teams together uh, or, or, or uh, groups together sitting at a table. You like the, the, the certain kind of food, you go to the same restaurants. It's the work of the of the coach uh, to, to make sure that everybody ticks together. And when you're on the pitch, uh, the work rate is there, the intensity is there, the quality is there, and making sure that, that everybody's determined to, to win that game on, uh, on the Saturday. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about Manchester United then. Um, this came relatively late in your career. I, relatively late. 30, 35. <laughs> you were getting ready to retire on a beach That's probably all, somewhere. Abso- absolutely, almost, yeah. What was said to convince you to join that football club or was there no convincing <laughs> needed? No, no, not a lot. <laughs> no, I had a chance in uh, when I left Ajax in uh, in 99. Uh, I first had a meeting in Liverpool. Didn't sign for them. Then Juventus came, uh, went with my agent uh, over to, uh, to Turin. Uh, we had a good meeting in, uh, in one of the golf courses, in uh, one of the clubhouses. And uh, I think now we're 85, 90% uh, convinced to, uh, to, uh, to join uh, Juventus. I think then we call, get a call from, uh, from Man United. Well, would you want to come over? I said, yeah, I want to come over. Uh, even that time, I think, was still before the Champions League final. I wanted to take, take a different approach. So I uh, signed for Juventus, to be fair. And uh, so that time, there was an opportunity already to, to sign for United. Uh, so, but yeah, after all, after two years Juventus, uh, four years at Fulham, and uh, at 34, yeah, getting the opportunity to play again for one of the biggest clubs in the, in the world. Yeah, that was an amazing, uh, amazing experience. And I think, I think Ruth van Nistelrooy was, was a big part of it. I think he uh, spoke also with, uh, with Ferguson at the end of that, that season. Uh, what's what's going to be the what's what's going to happen? Uh, what are the what are the chances? What what players do you want to sign? Yeah, yeah, maybe you have to get some experience at the back, and uh, we, have to, we have two young young centre halves. We need. Nou ja, why don't you think about Van der Sar? Yeah, but he's 34 and he's at Fulham, and yeah, okay, but like the level that he has and the uh, national team, and uh, he has a clause in his contract, blah 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 blah. Uh, so I think yeah, before you knew it, um, yeah, the voicemail message from from Ferguson at my uh, when I came back at uh, at training. What was on the message? Yeah, the message was, hello, Edwin, it's Alex Ferguson. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you want to hear this message again? Press three. Okay. Yeah. Hello, Edwin, it's Alex Ferguson here. And uh, I would really like to want to sign you at Main United. And we can we have a... I, I couldn't understand it. Like, whatever. What, what am I hearing here? So you want to hear this message again? Press three. So I had to, had to whatever, listen three or four times something to the message before it started. Today. Okay, this, this, could, this could be interesting. And uh, I think we had one meeting, one conversation by phone. And uh, nowadays it takes ages to get, to get players signed and to get, to get agreements. And I think with my agent and then David Gill came over to, uh, to, uh, to Scheveningen here in uh, one, of the, one of the cities near the, near the beach. And I think with two, three hours we're, yeah, we're done and uh, I signed a two-year contract. So you played for Ajax, you played for Juventus. 
you played for Fulham, yes. and then you go to Manchester United. When we spoke to um, Robin Van Persie about this, we asked him what was the difference between his experience at, say, Arsenal and Manchester United, and he summed it up and said, at Arsenal, people like to win. At Manchester United, you had to win. What would you see was the difference between those other clubs and Manchester United? I think it's a little bit different for me because my initially period, I won a lot of things yeah. here at Ajax. I think we had a very demanding manager, uh, great culture uh, at the club, uh, young players that, that wanted to improve, that wanted to get better, hungry. Uh, Frank Rijkaard was one of the leaders. He won everything, was like an icon for us and he came back uh, to help us achieve what we wanted to achieve. Then two years Juventus, four years at Fulham. Not a great stage of my career. So I, the first day I came at United, I felt like a warm bath. This, this is the level I wanted. This is the, 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 the pressure that I needed. This is the way that football need to, will need to be played. This is uh, how determined you, uh, yeah, how hard you work and, and, and the quality of the players around you. The, and of course, the, 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 the foundation were there already. So in that way, um, yeah, from, from start to finish, it was an, was an amazing six years. And so many people try and find the answer to why that club and that team did so well in that period. What do you put it down to? Quality of players. Uh, of course, a fantastic manager. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, also there's not that Ferguson was taking the sessions or something. Eh? Uh, I think he had a great and, and, and a field coach and assistant coach. Uh, even with, when, the, when the meetings were there, uh, of course, he always, he always started, came with, with two or two remarks about the history, about the past, or if you remember this game. And we have to, uh, so in that way, it's, it's, it's the whole aura of, of himself, the, the things that he won already, of course, the way he developed the club, that he, that he almost owned the club uh, with two guys, with David Gill and with, uh, with, uh, with, with himself. Yeah, the backbone of the team with, with players who are yeah, homegrown, uh, gigs, Neville, Scholes, but, but yeah. Scholes was Paul uh, was of course a fantastic player, uh, but he was not really into the conversations. Paul was just wanted to play football, just wanted want to kick a ball as hard as possible in, into the goal. He was good at that. Uh, he was really good at that, for example. But media duties after a Champions League match, pff, he, he went to the to the fire exit door, whatever. And and nowadays, yeah, you see him talking on. Yeah, on, uh, yeah, as, as, as a pundit, full of opinions, everything. So that that's funny how people develop, but just the the the, the sheer desire to win, the sheer desire to to protect the image that that United have and uh, and and win that Champions League again. That was uh, to to be a part of that that era, that whatever uh, that that they had in the sixties, that they had in the nineties, and to have that in the in the two thousands, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. That 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 six years that I were able to play for United. Yeah, the success that you had with that with that group of players, and also, of course, you need to refresh it. And and over, of course, even there we had some bad signings and signings that didn't, didn't work out, but but the quality was was there, and uh, that was was an amazing uh, amazing uh, amazing period of my uh, my career to end at such a high note. I mean, talk about the signings that didn't work out is interesting. Again, we we were lucky enough to sit down with Rio Ferdinand, and he spoke about some of the signings that he felt in hindsight the dressing room treated quite harshly mm -hmm. rather than put an arm around the shoulder and try to help them. So the example he, he cited was uh, the Brazilian Anderson, mm -hmm. where he said he felt that he struggled with his diet and his lifestyle and the dressing room mocked him rather than tried to guide him in a more helpful way. What was your experience of that dressing room? When you talk about the will to win, 
Of course, quality, recognize quality yeah, when, you, when you're on the pitch. If you play a ball hard to a player and it, it, it receives it straight away on the, on the right foot or uh, if you pass it, having fun or, or joking or, yeah, that's also part of the culture of in a football club and that's there. But I can understand a little bit what he, what he said, but I think at a certain point, you two, three times you say something to a player yeah, and after the third time or the fourth time, he's still not reacting or showing different behavior. Yeah, then then yeah, almost need to drop it because you have to think about your own performances, making sure that whatever the, the area where you're responsible for, that, that that's working. Um, as a young player, of course, you need to help. You're, you're, you give them advice, but you need to be open also to take the advice. And if it's not, not happening, yeah, then you have to take along and, and find someone else who, who, you, who you can help and hopefully uh, bring into the team uh, to get the performances up. And at the other end of the of the spectrum is Cristiano Ronaldo, who, like you, has gone on to have a career of true longevity. What are your memories of sharing a dressing room in a club with him? The dressing room that he shared with me, you mean? The dr- exactly, the dressing room <laughs> that he was lucky enough, honoured to share with you, yeah. No, I think that's... <laughs> I remember one of the conversations with him in the in the gym, really the, the smaller, the old gym and everything, and he, he was working out, just, I think he was working with an elastic band with his ankle and everything, and started talking, and yeah, now I really want to uh, become the best player in the world. So yeah, said Ronnie said, a lot of people were... Uh, say that no 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 I really want it that's like okay what you what are you going to do about it yeah everything uh, I think his, his work ethic uh, the way he developed himself he way he uh, made sure that his body was uh, specialist around him uh, the, the, the way he trained and I think the, one of the funny stories I find always I told a lot of people already say often after the after the after training that's when he wanted to take some free kicks um, said, said Ronnie he's like take the second or third goalkeeper I'm, I'm 37 come on let's take one of the other guys I'm, I'm tired no 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 come on I need to I don't want to score against the best yeah but Ronnie you're not going to score so that's, that's not, not the point no no come on you're getting goal and of course then he had the free kick and the position and the stance and the ball that, that, that floated and but he always wanted to end it with a goal. So it's not even whatever that I save one, okay, it's finished. But he always wanted to end up with a goal. I said, but Ronnie, I want to also have a good feeling of going into the game. It's not only about you. And and of course, it's it's always been about him and and, and this determination and, and the way that he that he conducted himself. And I think a lot of people have, let's say, maybe got a, a different opinion about him, but I, I found him really in the dressing room uh, funny. Uh, if we brought uh, our children, like uh, Scorsese's kids or my, my son, he always played with them. I think the way that, that he took another step for Man United, it was not easy after Man, leaving Man United and then going along for, for even even higher accolades and everything, the way that he yeah, that he played at Madrid and then the goals that he scored and then the, the impact that he had there. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been amazing, yeah. I think there's actually really strong lessons for the players that you have here though, isn't there? Because there's that great phrase that talent will get you in the room. Yeah, Your but, hard but work now, will keep now, you in nowadays the room. it's a little bit more different. It's it's difficult to to get that internal motivation to uh, to to improve yourself all the time, and we have a few. Why is that though? Because like I, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 the, the people that are depending on you, the people that uh, that 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 cherish you, that that put you uh, put you on a on a pedestal all the time. Hard work is not is not a, not a strange word. It's it's something that's really important. Getting somewhere is easy, but, but making sure you, you take next steps, that you, you become better, that you, that you become more more uh, valuable for the team, that you become more decisive for the team, that's hard nowadays, I think. It's a shame though, isn't it? Because you've got players like a Paul Scholes or a Lionel Messi where you look at the natural 
ability and feel for the game has gotten yeah, okay, to a but, certain point. But, but to say about hard work, but for example, Lionel Messi, I think, has tremendous qualities and talent and everything. And um, Yes, I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. <laughs> Let me just be straight about that. I suppose what I'm saying is Cristiano, unlike those two, has, has forced his success. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's made it happen. And I think there's a great lesson to young footballers there. You can be here. I mean, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying he was a second division ability footballer a Bundesliga mindset footballer, so ended up in the first division. Mm -hmm. That's a really strong message for people that, what is the phrase? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Oh, yeah, that's what Ferguson always said. Some, also, something said when we in the dressing room in Old Trafford, he said that that lot in the, in the other dressing room, if you, you guys work hard, they're never going to beat you. But if they work harder, if they work their socks off and thing, and you think, okay, it's going to be Preston, it's going to be uh, whatever, Bournemouth, they, they can win. So it all starts with working hard. Work hard, then your extra qualities will, will shine. So internal motivation then is something that you did have. Where did that come from? I think a normal upbringing. I, uh, I came to Ajax when I was 19. I'd never been in one of the regional selections uh, until 18. I was playing in my local local village uh, with my friends. Uh, my friends, of course, uh, it's a football team, yeah. uh, but not on a high level. Uh, I was doing I had a newspaper round. I was working in the, in the flower bulb area. So I uh, did a lot of, lot of stuff. So until I was, I was at school, uh, until I was 19, then suddenly uh, I got signed for Ajax. So I think I had a normal upbringing. And also I find it important to the people that, that are around you that 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 are working also for the club or that that you that you treat in a, in a normal way and where do you get your motivation from now because like you can't do your job unless you work really hard yeah that's true <laughs> give us give <laughs> us an you. insight into <laughs> what you know the hours of the hours you work kind of you, never uh, you don't. You don't want to. That's it's true. It's uh, it's it's continuously, and that's uh, it's it's hard. It's 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 whatever you have your you have you have your phone, you have your laptop, you have the calls, you have every every you have, you have your dinners, you have your work, you have your time. You go to games. You you want to be uh, you want to go to commercial partners. It's it's events. It's it's shit. Things are happening. You need to fire someone. Things are not going well. There's a, there's a crisis. Uh, there's something happening on European level. It's something with uh, with uh, with a new media deal. It's it's constant. So it's it's uh, at a certain point, it's it's a not a drag. It's fucking hard, and that's that's something that there were friends of yourself. Jason Edwin, why do you need it? Why <laughs> you have your money? You can have an easier life. And and of course, something that go, something goes there that goes that through your mind. But in one way, you have. Yeah, you want you want to you want to be success. Success sometimes sometimes also addictive. Uh, you wanna you wanna achieve things, and that's something that you carry with you all your life. And if you play different sports or with your friends, you always want to win. Do you know what I I also think, and I may be totally wrong here. I think there's an element here that you love proving people wrong. And when you talk about one of the hardest parts is people that say former goalkeeper, former footballer. I think you get an energy from that. I think you love to show people that you can be a former footballer. You can be a former goalkeeper. You can also be a, a CEO of a business turning over hundreds of millions of euros a year. We're, we're not fixed. We're not in a box. I think it's true. I think also because, let's say, I, uh, I've not been the biggest talent. Uh, I've, I've, I've played a, a good career, had a great career. But I think I was, I was I think really good at looking through what's, what was happening. I don't think I had the, the greatest reaction. I don't think I had the... 
I was the, the the most elegant goalkeeper, but in the way that I played, the way I could I could see through uh, the game, making sure that that the players were in the right position, uh, making the saves when when it was ma- when it mattered, that it brought you to a certain level. And that's something you want to emulate or or show that again. And uh, and of course, I don't think this uh, this job is uh, is is something you're going to do all my life. And at a certain pay, you want to have your rest and you want to have your quality of life. Uh, also, uh, the moment that, that the phone is not ringing anymore, that that the emails are not uh, not that important anymore. Uh, I think that's also something that you need need to give also back to your family and uh, and and for your own sake of mind. At a certain point, that you, that you know what uh, what life is also about. Brilliant. So we normally wrap up with a series of quickfire questions, Edwin. So the first one is: What are the three non-negotiable behaviors that you and the people around you? Yeah, no, I, I still answer my phone if somebody calls me at 11.30. It <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. Uh, appointments are in my diary that, 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 probably don't, that, that I probably don't need. So I'm, I'm quite relaxed, to be fair. I, I, could be, I should be harder in certain, uh, certain ways. What is your biggest strength? What is your greatest weakness? My strength is, uh, I think, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm collective. I, 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 I'm not, not that quickly into a, into a panic or... or I don't know what's happening. Um, it was my quality on the pitch, and I think hopefully it's still also my, my quality here and uh, as, a, as, a, as a director. Weakness probably too uh, probably too nice. What advice would you give to a teenage Edwin just starting out? Yeah, it's it's just fantastic to do something that uh, that that in the area where you you grown up, where you became a man. Um, I, was, I was as a child, I was quite um, quiet. Um, didn't want to be uh, seen. I was quite tall, and sometimes when tall people, they like to make themselves a little bit smaller. But at a certain point, you come onto in the limelight, um, and you're there. So it's 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 just great to yeah to to be something, and to that a lot of people get enjoyment from, can they, they have pleasure from it. Uh, and of course, I don't, you, yeah, you're not bigger than the club. You're not you're just helping, try to help the club as, as far as possible to reach and to bring success to supporters. I think football club, the supporters live and die for that club. And you see that what happened with the Super League, uh, whatever, two, three years ago. Uh, and of course, a club needs to earn money because uh, you need commercial partners. You need uh, guys who pay uh, a lot of money for, for a business room. Uh, but in general, the supporters are yeah, the backbone of the club. How important is legacy to you? Yeah, it's not. I think I have it as a player. You achieve something here. You achieve something in, in Manchester at, at Juventus. And uh, I've never been back to Fulham, for example. So I would love to go to Fulham on a normal way. Uh, just to just go there, go to Gavin Cottage, take the bus from, from Kingston or something over Putney Bridge. Those things, what my kids did to experience that, uh, experience that again with them or maybe with their, with their grandchildren, those things that will, will be great. And uh uh, legacy, I think a club like Ajax, it's it's to bring that back to to uh, with with all the people with with, uh, with all the work that's been done, with 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 many people that that are not here at the moment anymore. But yeah, it, it, I found it more like a like a relay. Yeah, I'm, I, have, I have the baton at in, in, in my hand, and just you want to want to give it to someone else uh, that it's that it's better equipped uh, financially on the sportive side, and give it to someone else who. Do something with it because it's not my club; it's the club from the supporters. Uh, had a fantastic time as a player and as a director, and it's uh, I'm looking forward to whatever next couple of years, and uh, let's see what it uh, what it, what it will become. And the final question: um, Thank you so much for giving us your time, and it's so interesting to break down what's been a. It's, it's good to talk after a quite a difficult season because I think it gives such a unique perspective to football fans who 
all have a very strong opinion about the game and about the job that people like you do. So the final message really, um, not just for those football fans, but for the myriad of different people that have tuned into this conversation, what would you like to leave ringing in their ears, your final message for living a high-performance life? Don't forget to enjoy it, because that's what I never ever do. But hard times are, you take it on. Uh, sometimes the enjoyment or the success, think, yeah, that's part of the job, it's normal, uh, get on with it. But uh, don't forget to enjoy it. Top man, thank you so much. Damien. Jake. I think you could see clearly in that interview, um, and he was working hard not to let the mask slip, but actually the truth that this has been a really difficult season for Ajax, and we're talking to Edwin, you know, during the final weekend of the season, um, it, it came across actually how hard it's been for him and actually how personally I think he takes it, which is understandable. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's a great example, again, of a lesson that we hear so often that success is not a linear journey, that there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be bumps in the road, there's going to be detours that we don't expect. And I think to meet somebody when they're in the process of navigating the way through that is actually really valuable. It's a really hard one football, isn't it? Because, you know, all Edwin is doing is his absolute best. And as you heard from the, the answers he just gave us, he's doing his absolute best for 12 or 15 hours a day. But sometimes you don't get lucky. Sometimes your signings or your recruitment doesn't work out. So therefore, fans are entitled to be frustrated. They're entitled to boo him when he talks to them at the end of a season. They're entitled to share their opinion, I guess, on social media. But we ha we need to kind of inject into that conversation some modicum of understanding, some modicum of nuance, some modicum of realising that no one is perfect. Everyone is doing their best. I don't know how we get this balance right, but it feels in football particularly too too far towards the toxicity and the anger and the aggression. Well, I like that phrase you just used, Jake, around nuance, because I think too often in life, and we do this whether it's in sport or not, we get caught in this binary trap of good or bad, right or wrong, high performer or low performer, when the reality is there's always subtlety and nuance and complexity that we don't necessarily always see. And I think conversations like what Edwin's been brave enough to share with us start to open us up to the whole heap of different factors that influence high performance. Some of them are within our gift and some are not. And I think when we can understand that, that boils it back down to that question of, are they doing the best they can in the moment they're in with the resources and the knowledge that they have? And he's absolutely doing that. 100%. I loved as well the little reflections when you actually look back on his career, whether it was getting that, you know, late shout from, I mean, his impression of Sir Alex Ferguson having to replay the message three or four times to understand what he was <laughs> yeah. saying was brilliant. But, you know, that moment and then, you know, sharing a dressing room with Cristiano Ronaldo and seeing his intense professionalism at work there. Um, the early days when they were winning titles and trophies here at the very start of his career, all of those highs, lows, the difficult times, the good times, it all adds up to the guy that leads Ajax today. Um, and that bit where he, we, you know, we said, what's the hardest part of the job? And he said, people yeah, doubting doubting and misunderstanding, yeah. saying, oh, you're just a former goalkeeper. I do feel there's a real fire in his belly in that. Yeah. And again, like we've heard this from people that don't listen to the podcast, but have an opinion on it about this is all survivorship bias. This is people that have been successful telling you how successful they've been. And yet this is a guy that's actually chosen to go and reinvent himself 
from somewhere where he was successful to then go and test himself in an environment where results are not immediate, that people are quick to judge without knowing the full story. And I think all the qualities that he said about learning to cut out the noise, to focus on the bits that you can do, and to do the stuff in the shadows. You know, he spoke about going around the office and engaging people in who they are rather than going to them with a purpose, just finding out how are you, what are you working on, and do that at all levels. A characteristics that I'm confident are going to lead him to be successful again. But I love the fact that he's sharing it while he's in the foothills of that journey rather than looking back and telling us how it was a seamless transition. Nice. Thanks for your time. Loved it, mate. Thank you. So there you go. Look, I know plenty of football fans, plenty of United fans will listen to this. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from Ajax fans. Um, and just really like, it's just worth thinking about the toll that working in football puts on people and whether whether it's right, whether the way that we talk about and act and think and be around the game of football these days is healthy for anybody. Just a quick reminder that you can check out uh, this interview on our YouTube channel. We'd love you to do that. Um, but the biggest thanks, uh, of course, goes to Edwin for being with us on today's podcast, but also to you for growing and sharing this podcast among your community. Please continue to spread the learnings you're taking from this series. Remember, there is no secret. It is all there for you. So chase world-class basics. Don't get high on your own supply. Remain humble, curious and empathetic. And we'll see you very soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.